Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau, Bureau, the Comedy Bureau Field Report, guys, is a member of the Believe Podcast family. You know, it, it, the intro doesn't always go so smooth, but I will, as always, say that it is not Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. That is not the entire name of the podcast. It's just the network. Uh, Believe Podcasts, for all most of your professional needs, That's uh, that's their network. And they choose, as a professional's podcast network, they chose to spell it B-L-E-A-V. And uh, that only leads you to saying, can you believe it? Uh, I can't not say that. It just naturally <laughs> happens. Um, anyways, enough of that, Mishigas. On to this week's illustrious, illustrious guest. Uh, for my money, one of the funniest improvisers on the planet. Um, and the co-founder of one of the best comedy festivals on the planet uh cole stratton everybody hey thanks for having me absolutely thanks for uh, joining us cole of course um how is it going how's quarantine been where are you quarantining i am quarantining in my apartment in los angeles california home of the most covid cases in the world right now number one number one we did it suck it new york <laughs> right uh yeah it's been fine like uh, my wife jenny and i are in here and um we're both working from home so it's been fine you know like we i always did you know for the festival and things like that i've never had an office so to speak right. so i'm here so it wasn't a big change for me so having to stay in i was like uh, okay i just wasn't right. going out at night like i would right. normally be doing right um but otherwise it's been fine and jenny's does she does casting and so mm-hmm. she her casting office you know, close their brick and mortar for a bit. So she's just doing everything from home right now because all the actors self-tape and stuff. So, right. Do yeah. you have to section off part of the house? Not really. Like we both kind of just work. We have the office if we want to use it, um, which is actually where she's working right now. Um, and then mm-hmm. half the time we're just both sitting at the kitchen table on other ends, just working our laptops and doing whatever. And cool. she has to answer like the work phone that she has like this phone that acts as the office phone and right. stuff. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. not bad. Like we're, Whenever we have to do something, we have places to go to do it where we can have privacy and yeah. low conversation. So, yeah. As far as, uh, you know, quarantining during an unprecedented pandemic, that sounds pretty ideal. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, are you missing going out, like performing, like in front of people? Uh, that might be an overly obvious question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me right now is like this is the first January I've spent in los angeles in 20 years so because i'm always <laughs> up in san francisco around the festival so this that's this is an odd time for me right. Right. um but at first like when this thing first started and i i would i realized that my life is very tightly scheduled like i say yes to a lot of things i do a lot of things mm-hmm. so i every day it would like i i'm not good at downtime because i don't usually have it yep. um and i realized like when covid hit I kind of felt like the universe was sort of saying, take a breath, Cole. Like, yeah, like we can step away from the grind for a little bit and focus on what's important and family and things like that a little bit. Right. Um, and part of that for me was like, I got Zoom fatigue very early. I was like, I don't, I, if I'm not going to see people, I don't want to do this right now. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're mostly not alone. I think that's the great majority of people. And I think people figured that out pretty fast. At first, it was kind of neat, but then people started having virtual birthday parties where there would be like 50 windows open and no one can talk. And you're just like, well, how long do I have to stand here for? Right. Um, so for me, it was like having a chance to step away from everything, mm-hmm. like really step away and have weeks where I was like nothing on my calendar was kind of refreshing in a weird way. Like I'm, I'm trying not to make light of COVID at all, but oh, um, sure. but it was, you know, a chance for me to kind of like take a breath and really look at things because I would go out and perform three nights a week at least, you know, mm-hmm. um, and play softball. I miss softball. There's, there's my physical activity. Right. But uh yeah, so like at first they started moving improv online to do like mm-hmm. Zoom shows and stuff like that. And I remember that. Yeah, I did a few of those. And after a little while, I was like, can we just not do these anymore? Like they're fine, <laughs> but it's it's not it's not a good substitute. And uh-huh. and then it was just like moving my appointments just virtual as opposed to in person. I was like, I'd rather just take this time to, you know, watch a million movies and just hang out. Right. 
Oh, you didn't like uh, doing act outs by drawing whatever you're going to act out on paper? I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was fun for a minute. Yeah. 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 yeah, there were some fun things in there. and I mean, I would still do it from time to time if there was a reason to or people wanted to do it. But right. it just kind of feels like at first people were trying to find a fun way to move performance virtually. And then a lot of that just kind of fell off and people realized that people are no longer starved for entertainment online so much. Right. Well, at least in the way that, like, if we're trying to translate it one-to-one, that got old really quickly. Yeah. Like, people had to actually, like, really take stock of, like, all right, so what is best suited for, like, Instagram Live or Twitch or, like, and it's not just stand-up or improv or, like, you know, people reimagined their sensibilities into other things yeah and sometimes that worked yeah totally it's definitely trying to figure out how to embrace a new medium for something you're accustomed to doing in another way and um, some stuff just doesn't translate Um, you had to get kind of creative and think outside the box right um did you figure out any of those things (laughs) we got pretty good at doing improv shows um pretty pretty pony and like had pretty good shows in the quarantine and stuff oh and yeah I, I i watched a few and i enjoyed them quite a bit and it's a little easier to get people to do monologues and they don't have to leave their house you know i'm not saying right. come down to santa monica on thursday at 10 p.m to come to our show right. um literally just you know go into your den and hang out with us for an hour right. um so that got a little, little easier to get some people that way right for those who don't watch virtual improv which I'm going to guess is people who don't watch improv in person either. Um, right. How did you guys um, re-engineer it to work on Zoom or Twitch or whatever? It was basically like, it's kind of this way with even live improv. It's figuring out the language. Like what's the shorthand that you guys can do, right? Mm-hmm. Every improv team has a different form that they do or a different way of transitioning. Like, you know, ground leaves just clap and edits. Other people do wipes where they run in front. Right. Um, so we're just trying to figure out like, how can we make it not confusing to people when we're moving on to another scene or whatever? Right. So for Pretty Pretty Pony, we just printed out these little pieces of paper that said new scene and we put it in front of the lens to right. make it very clear to people that we're moving on. Right. Um, Otherwise, it was just trying to figure out how to play with it and have fun mm-hmm. with it. Um, we definitely had some fun shows where we were just like playing with objects and putting them in front of the lens and using yeah. that for a different kind of look and stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we got pretty decent at it. Cobra Knots, my house team from Westside Comedy Theater, we did a bunch of shows too. And we started using a lot of the snap chat, the snap filters on top of it. So we could be cool. like, I'm, I'm a tadpole now. And it looks like a tadpole or whatever. Right. Um, so there were fun things to do. But, yeah, cool. it just got a little taxing. Yeah, <laughs> I think I noticed it was curious to me. Uh, the ones that the improv shows I've seen online, everyone had to use their real name. Like you couldn't make up a name because it was like confusing or whatever because of you being stuck in a box virtually. Yeah, what we would do a lot of the times is we would like, you know how like it has your name on Zoom or whatever, mm-hmm. like it defaults, whatever you put it as your real name most of the time. Right. You can change your name and we would just change it to a period because you couldn't leave it blank. Right. So that way there's no name on it. So that way we could kind of like theoretically be a different character, but it does get very confusing if you if you're not very heavy-handed about it. Like you have right. to really be like, you know, doctor, you know, <laughs> like I mean you Patrick or whatever right. and that right. kind of stuff, yeah. Right. Um I mean, as I mean, tell me if I if you've had a different experience, but I feel like at this point, you know, virtual comedy there's some people that figured it out in some sort of way and the other people who just got tired of it but i think largely it's just a thing to keep us from going insane it's not like a sustainable thing i mean you know live streaming is going to be a part of comedy and i think there's like ways to actually better performances and shows when we get to do them in earnest in person but i think just doing stuff 100 percent virtually like yeah, that's that. We're just... that's, it's not going to last. People are going to be so hungry for the connection of being in a room together and going out and stuff. So as soon as that's safe to do so, you're going to see most of those virtual shows fall away. I think the main thing that's going to be affected is movie theaters going forward right. now that they've been you know, releasing a lot of movies like you know, in theaters and HBO Max on the day right. of. Because right. here in L.A., we've not had a single theater open this entire time. So. Right. Um, 
so the, the model of movies viewing going forward might be interesting because, I mean, I'm hoping that mm-hmm. theaters just come back and people go to movies again. And right. I think that will be the case, but I feel like a lot of stuff will just translate to like on-demand viewing immediately and right. less about the theatrical windows. So, Oh, that might mean that all the theaters become those, uh, where is that, that 4D theater in Koreatown? <laughs> where it's like you have wind blown in your face right or like water you can't get that at home nope gotta be an event <laughs> you gotta be a big event yeah man uh well i want to get into more of what you've been doing in sf sketch fest and festpocalypse uh but in a bit um let's get to a little bit of comedy news cool 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 um so the big story i reported last week <laughs> In these times, you've probably scrolled through the photos on your phone just remembering how great the before times were. Wouldn't it be great if you got to print those photos and look at them outside of your phone? If you don't have free prints yet, uh, it's something you gotta get. Free prints is a free app for iPhone and Android that lets you print all of those great, great photos for free. You get 1,000 free four by six photo prints per year and all you pay is small shipping charge you can even print photos at other sizes for next to nothing select the photos you want to print choose the sizes and your premium quality prints will arrive on your doorstep in just days free prints is one of the world's favorite apps download it now at freeprints.com and start enjoying real professional quality free prints no subscriptions no commitments just free prints again go to freeprints.com to get the app and your 1,000 free prints right now. And then you can stick them on your wall and look at them while you're stuck in quarantine still. So the big story I reported last week, uh, Dave Chappelle, a legendary comedian, uh, has contracted COVID-19 asymptomatic, uh, asymptomatically, thankfully. He's, uh, as of now, fine, but he still contracted the virus. And he was uh, uh, had done, started a run uh, of shows in Austin, Texas, uh, when that was announced. Uh, and Chappelle, as being one of the top comedians working today, had all the resources available to do the insane thing of trying to do live shows at this time where he had rapid testing for the audience. He himself got tested daily. He had a, a crew and they all supposedly had PPE and were you know, uh, following COVID-19 protocol. And even that, even that didn't entirely prevent it. Um, what do you think that signals in terms of people who are still ridiculously doing outdoor shows right now in LA and New York. And as we try to reopen, what do you think that might lead to? I don't know. It's going to be tough. I'm not sure when places will be able to really reopen for shows. And if they do, what the capacity numbers are going to be in there. Um, And, and to have it be feasible from an economic standpoint, like, you know, to open up a theater and have 20% capacity, like, is that going to yield enough revenue coming in to make it worth turning the lights on? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is that. And these big outdoor shows, like in the summer, you would get amphitheater comedy shows. That makes sense. Um, Right now it's a little weird, but um, yeah, I don't know. Until the vaccine rolls out and we get some semblance of herd immunity, it's going to be tricky. Um, People are there's going to be a lot of people that want to go out immediately when things open up. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be very trepidatious and very scared to do it. Um, So it'll be interesting to be see what they do. I think a lot of comedy clubs, like maybe Westside and other places like that. We'll probably just open up a stand-up at first because right. that's the easiest thing to do, like one person on stage in the audience versus a team of 10 people touching each other right, um, right, in an right. improv troupe. So I think that those kinds of performances will be the last to come back. Right. Um, and, yeah, the, that Chappelle thing was crazy. Um, also, like, because of all those things that they had to go through, like, tickets were insanely expensive. Like, oh, yeah. A table for six was $1,600. Like, mm-hmm. that's – I like Chappelle. I don't – like him that much you know what i mean like like, there's very few comedians i'd pay over like two hundred dollars to see you know what i mean yeah especially 
Chappelle now. Like maybe Chappelle show Chappelle. I I mean, if I had the money at my disposal, maybe. But the the philosopher fable sharer Dave Chappelle slash possibly the slam poet. I mean, I feel like you can almost make an argument that 846 is like a bit of slam poetry. Right. I mean, he's a great storyteller on stage. He definitely riffs and goes with, you know, I've seen him a lot at clubs like drop in and do sets. And when he drops in, he doesn't do an hour. He does four hours. Like he just, which is nuts. Like it's, then it becomes an attrition with the audience because people are like, I love Dave Chappelle and I can't believe he's in front of me, but it's two 30 in the morning. And I, yeah. feel weird turning my back and walking away but i think i kind of have to like at this point yeah. especially because so. i don't know it seems as as the years pass dave is less and less interested in being funny like in a in a very traditional sense like he'll get to something funny at some point but he mostly wants to kind of like dissect his experience and like you know pinpointed to things in the world and things that he wants to say and i mean very much like the last few things he did there was there's like a big like takeaway message from everything and it's like almost like a, a allegory that he likes doing he loves like relating these old stories of his and then like oh but that's like my netflix thing and they're not paying me right yeah it's weird it's like it's yeah it's bizarre like he'll get going and he'll drop in and do a show for four hours for free and then right. and this kind of thing so yeah i don't i mean yeah he's amazing but a lot of the stuff he's it's not that he's working material when he does his drop-ins because he's really not he's not shaping a show so i definitely see comics go out and work material right. to for a special or whatever but this is just more so like he just likes being on stage and he likes talking to the audience really right. and communicating with them and stuff like that and i feel like these shows are a lot of that like he's not doing material he's just right. he'll mind the funny out of things as they come and go but he's not up there doing his act uh, I'm curious. I had had this sort of idea for, I mean, almost since the start of the pandemic, it, it, with the idea that like, whenever venues will open, it's not going to be a night and day thing. Like, there's going to be a gradual rollout, and there will be limited capacity. And to your point, like, will it be worth it to turn the lights on for like 20 people? Do you think, especially with your involvement in the festival and Westside Comedy Theater, like? is live streaming going to be a way to supplement that in a, in a way that might be more sustainable? Like, you know, you have a limited in-person audience at Westside Comedy Theater, which is a small venue. Um, and then you just have cameras there that stream it and you at a discounted price, people can get live stream access. You know, I'm not sure. I feel like people don't want to pay for anything. So, <laughs> I mean, that's been my experience is right. like you put something behind a paywall People, for the most part, are going to be like, man, man I've got 75,000 Netflix specials I can watch from comedians right now for the $7 I'm paying a month or whatever. Right. Um, which is, you know, beside the point. I mean, the whole thing is you're supporting these people so they can support themselves. Right. Um, but, you know, it kind of comes down to people's sort of sense of entitlement nowadays and being able to get things at, you know, at will for inexpensive prices so i mean i like the idea of that and i think if it was a special kind of show you could do that but i just don't know if doing like you know a show that's normally like eight dollars at a small club even doing it as a dollar rental i just don't know people might pay it at first because they'd be excited to support but then they might just be like eh, not the same so i don't know like it's hard to say where it's gonna go yeah I think with yeah with this it depends on the act in the show like um last summer Ron Funches did something to that effect where he was on a soundstage uh, that they sort of like, you know, retrofitted to be a quote unquote comedy club and just like 10 invite only audience members distanced from each other. I was one of them. In fact, we were checked in and then we were told where to sit and then nobody else talked to us until the show started. Wow. It was just like we sat in silence for like 20 minutes. That's crazy. Yeah, and then it was fun, and then I, you know, I, uh, live stream access to that was like five bucks, and apparently it did well. Um, yeah, I can see that doing well, especially you know one offs and mm-hmm. things. I think will always do well. I think when you start to do things regularly or have right. a slate of shows a night or something, that's when it's going to get a little yeah. weird. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, I don't know if this would be encouraging or not, but um, <clears throat> like Judah Friedlander is one of the few headliners that's just like going really hard virtually. Just like he does a headlining set every week on Zoom. In addition to other shows that he drops into and other, you know, other places that'll have him. And I watched him do a show last Friday where the admission was like a dollar donation or something like that or whatever else you wanted to pay. And uh, it was like 140 people. It's not bad. Yeah. And After we, month, months and months of doing that. When we did Pretty Pretty Pony at first, like the West Side would do things that were like suggested donation of $8 or whatever a normal ticket would be. And you had the ability to pay more if you wanted. You had the ability to pay less. You could pay nothing. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, hoping for the goodwill of people and yeah. helping them. And, and I think at first, mm -hmm. most of the shows, the first month that they did things were like really successful. And then right. things just started to drop off as people started to like kind of be like okay i can't do this regularly or right. whatever so that's gonna be the challenge if you can present unique shows with cool talent or top mm -hmm. top name talent or whatever you're gonna get interest it's just gonna be a little harder for the little guy right. to like you know get out there and get people yeah. to see it yeah agreed and that's what uh i'm worried about is like that um you know the people the top name talent is fine because they were fine and people will still go see them because the, they're their favorite comedians or whatever. Um, but, like, you know, that's kind of the only thing they would pay for virtually now. And then when things open up, they're going to want all the spots. And, like, yeah. where does that leave? You know, and also clubs are going to try to make up for lost time, lost revenue, and they want guaranteed shows. And that's understandable. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing that. But, like, you know, how is anybody's supposed to be a feature are people even going to have features anymore or like it's just going to be like you have you tour with a feature and then that's it or i i don't know yeah i mean i feel like they'll want to throw comics a bone so having a host do 10 minutes up front and then bring people up, i think will still happen right at clubs and stuff i think the harder thing will be to have shows that aren't guaranteed to do well given a chance at clubs you know yeah i think it's gonna be more so like this is a headliner we know pulls people in and right. a really good feature and like this host is not going to necessarily sell tickets but he's really good or she's really good so like let's have them on it um i think that's gonna be more of the model it's gonna be a little harder to be like hey i've got this uh, kind of obscure podcast can we go up there and do a live version or whatever yeah I think this is going to be a reemergence of, you know, I feel like the term alt comedy has been so loosely thrown around for probably like 20 years at this point. Yeah. But in its original inception where people like David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and Janine Garofalo like wanted to do stuff outside of the clubs and like that became its own brand of comedy. I think that might happen again because like clubs just can't afford to have people who aren't going to sell tickets or like a show like you're saying a show that won't do well so they're just gonna like oh we'll just go to a, a weird place or do it you know outdoors like we've been doing it already yeah. um and it'll be interesting to see what that brings i think shows with that find a hook will do better than shows that are just like you know here's eight people they're right. each doing eight minutes or whatever those are gonna be a little harder i think right yeah um, which I'm all for. I'm, you know, stand up and sketch and improv. There will be people who always do it wonderfully, but I'm always for people that are funny experimenting and doing weird stuff. Yeah. So whenever that can happen, I'm going to guess the fall. That's uh, what it's looking like. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, as of yesterday, uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom announced that the stay-at-home order statewide is lifted, uh, which leaves a lot of people confused, uh, especially in L.A. County, where while our uh, ICU capacity has improved and case numbers have gone down, uh, it's still far from great or good or okay. He's in, I mean, I'll, I'll say this about Newsom, he's in an impossible spot. It's impossible because sure. there's nothing he can do that's going to make everybody happy. Because sure. if he really, if he really locks it down, like was what we would should have done last year, but obviously right. there's no plan in place and whatever. 
this thing could have been beat way earlier, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, it didn't happen. So the thing would be like, you know, we have vaccines rolling out, like keeping things where they are now for another couple months would probably make it so we can go to a better thing, you know, in this early summer or whatever, or like right. late spring. But there's businesses that won't survive. There's restaurants that won't survive. There's things that right. just need to be open. And so considering that we didn't really get much money from the government, you know, if you have a business you haven't been able to have open for, you know, a year, you might have been able to get one of the PPP loans or whatever. Or if you're an individual that hasn't been able to work, you got $600. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think there's a lot of pressure on him to from these businesses and restaurants, things like that, basically saying, like, we're not going to survive this if you don't let us reopen. We need to go back to do you know, outdoor dining or whatever. And they know that's not safe and there's a chance, but like, it's kind of what they need to have happen. And he's getting a lot of, you know, pressure from all sides of the, you know, politics to, Mm -hmm. to do things. So I think for him, it's like, if he opens it back up, a lot of people are going to be happy. And a lot of people will be like, what the hell are you doing? If he keeps it closed, there's gonna be people who are like, why are you doing this? You're killing my business. So I just don't think he can win. He, yeah, I agree. At the same time, I would like to note that, like, that is his position, which means it doesn't, it sh- you shouldn't be encouraged to think things are fine and gather. And I mean, like, the problem with there's been several reopenings and lockdowns over the course of almost the last year. And that's because every time they like reopen something, you know, it's a like giving an inch and taking a mile. Yep. Sort of mentality. And so uh, that is unfortunately the way the virus works. Even if a fraction of people do the thing that's uh, encouraging the transmission of the virus, it ruins it for everybody. I mean, I will say it's good that there's not any real mass gathering holidays for a while i mean right. i guess saint patrick's day or whatever because that's really what did it in the fall like it started with halloween halloween right. fucked it really hard and then yeah. um you know christmas and thanksgiving people were just like i'm not going to not see my family i have to do it um so that's why we saw those big spikes um right. so i don't know at least like now like we you know i don't see arbor day celebrations happening or whatever yeah, you know what some I mean? people are worried for the super bowl though yeah that's true people will have super bowl parties yeah uh let's hope they don't is that's all that i can say no here's what i'll say it's enjoyable to watch football by yourself um yeah. yes it is the, we, the sketch fest used to have dates that would go into february we used to like open later in january and go into right. february so the super bowl would always be on a sunday middle weekend we would just be dark that day right. and i'd be up there so i would just sit in my hotel room and watch the super bowl on my one day off and be like right. this is great this is relaxing right. this is fun i don't need to fist bump somebody it's okay like it's fine right and i would say pro watching the super bowl alone you get to eat all the food that you want um, you don't have to deal with annoying people talking. Um, you don't have to yell at them while they talk during commercials. And they're like, it's commercials. And you're like, this is the best part. And then they're like, we don't hold that sensibility. And yeah. Uh, and you don't have to have a, uh, a discussion about the halftime show. Right. Mm-hmm. All of that. All of that. Um, so stay home, stay safe, stay masked during the Super Bowl, please. Please, please, please. There's things you can do to like, you know go for walks in your neighborhood at night you know like you can get outside and be active and just you know wear a mask and just not be around people but just like just go out for the necessities when you need to that's it it's all you got to do like you have everything if you're forced to leave because you have work and stuff that makes sense um or if you have responsibilities that you have to do but otherwise just like just don't you don't need to you could also go on a drive you know which you know yeah you're putting more carbon emissions but i mean if you're losing your sanity like i am because i went out even more than you Cole. Yeah. Uh, I just sometimes like, I will just drive around to uh, imitate what my life used to be like. Well, yeah, we did that from time to time. I definitely would go for drives just to, it felt nice. Well, one, you want to run your car <laughs> periodically yeah. Yeah. so it doesn't die. Um, yep. I do remember like early on in the like lockdown, maybe like April or May um, it rained. And then after that, you could see everything because there was oh, yeah. no smog and the rain. Right. Like I could see the Hollywood sign from my house and I'm nowhere near that. Right. Um, 
and and stars at night like everywhere it's just like amazing to see like oh like when we're not like out there commuting and all that stuff like what an amazing difference it makes oh yeah absolutely um and that's the only time it'll ever be like that because now we have track even even at the height of la's you know uh experience in the pandemic where we're like number one in the world pretty much yep um there's still traffic like i used to remember it it's coming back yeah i would say in the early days like in the summer or whatever when we we're still pretty locked down i remember we went to pick up some food in manhattan beach on a friday night at six o'clock so from where we are in century city it would normally take an hour it took 18 minutes like wow. it was nobody was on the street and i was like this is a little weird <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that's be, it be, with lockdown i've always i've like in driving around at night, LA feels now like a small town because just things are close. And it's what it feels are... like around the holidays. I understand, like because yeah, yeah, it's kind of empty when nobody's working and everybody leaves town. So yeah, but like you know, you kind of expect that during the holidays, but all year, yeah, crazy. It's crazy. Uh, one final story before we uh, get to back to what you've been up to. Um, there was a controversy with the uh, Primetime Emmy Awards uh, coming up. There's been a merging of nominee categories uh, in regards to late night and sketch shows, sketch variety shows. Um, They are now considered under the same umbrella for awards. So that means, you know, there's less opportunity for uh, the shows to get nominated in each of their respective categories. Now they have to share space and uh people on both sides producers writers are up in arms and they want that to be reversed um does this matter right now um in the grand scheme of things no for those for employment and future employment for all these people yes it does i mean especially when like they're not the same goddamn thing like no they're not there are sketches on some late night shows and conan was amazing at it right Right. um but there's not necessarily and they're totally different beasts like most of the late night shows are you know Mm -hmm. oriented to interviews and then news stories and things like that right you can't say that that's the same thing as auntie donna or you know like any of those things like it's just not yeah no to put auntie donna um or Tim Robinson's sketch show on Netflix, like or Astronomy Club, or any yeah. of those things, yeah. With, with Fallon, who I think mo- actually, if I think about this clear, like I don't think most late night has even had sketches during the pandemic, Conan included. Like maybe like every now and again he'll have a sketch. Right. Yeah, but not much. Yeah. So yeah, I don't get the point of that. I mean, also it's like, why Are you you're gonna save tons of time? right on your broadcast like right just let it be what it is like yeah we have airtime use it and this is i i would say this is where you want to trim the fat there's like dozens and dozens and dozens of emmy categories yep um this is not the one where you need to merge things um you know it also shows me that like people don't value comedy like they should it pisses it's always pissed me off you know oh absolutely that people think that it's like, oh, it's not as important as drama or blah, blah, blah. I was like, it's comedy is a lot harder in my opinion. I mean, yeah. we can go to the mat about this, but in general, like comedy is not appreciated the way it should be. It's it's right. always kind of been that way in the, in the past and stuff. It's like, oh, they're clowns, they're jesters, you know, they're beneath us. They're here to make us laugh when it's like, no, we're the ones keeping you sane in this pandemic a lot right. of the time, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's entertainment and comedy is a big part of that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I'm going on a, out on a limb here, but I feel like there's a good deal of, I think, specifically stand-ups that sort of had that notion of, like, we're clowns, this is not art, because, like, okay, you just make, like, a stupid dick joke or whatever. Um, you know, it's it's still art. It's, like, a, a facet of it. It's not perhaps as exquisite and full of depth is like uh emo phillips joke about religion but yeah, it's there's still... all sorts of different styles but honestly like i you can't really teach funny like either yeah. you are or you're not like you can't teach timing i mean i guess you can take things and get better at, but in general mm-hmm. you have to have that kind of instinct or you know so it's it's not something that's like oh i learned photoshop 
you know what I mean? Like it's not that easy to just, you know, be funny or, or do comedy in a right. way that's going to resonate. Right. Now you said um, it's uh, important as a matter of like employment. Like, do you want to elaborate on that? Well, I mean, when you have five late night categories and you would have five sketch shows, it would just enable more things to get nominations, which would get more support from their networks and things, um, which might help other people discover it, which might get these people another season of something to get a show renewed that might not have gotten renewed because, right. you know, I'm sure the sketch shows aren't giant revenue makers on these things because honestly, they're not marketed that well half the time. People don't right. even know that they're out there. So right. if something comes to attention because there's five sketch shows mm-hmm. nominated right. and then but then you combine those things and there's one sketch show and four late night shows and it's, you know, mm-hmm. Daily Show, Colbert, like all the usual things that are there year after year after year. Right. Like, I don't know. I feel like you need to reward the diversity of that programming instead of trying to lump it under one thing. Right. Absolutely. And I would say for sketch, I mean, mainstream awards ceremonies are already a popularity contest and that's bad as is. But like if you're now having like something like Auntie Donna have to go toe to toe with SNL and Colbert and uh, uh, late night with Seth Meyers, like what's chance do they stand? If they can even pull the nomination out of that crowded field, like yeah. when they're very deserving, like that's, what's terrible about it. But also like sketch comedy is in my opinion, like the most misunderstood genre of comedy that there is because you know, you could tell people, you know, oh, I do sketch comedy. I'll be like, I don't understand what that is. And then you're like, all right, well, you know, Saturday Night Live, Monty Python, Mr. Show. And then they might be like, oh, maybe. Or they go, oh, skits. And then you're like, oh, my God, they're not skits. <laughs> this isn't homecoming. Um, right. It's not like something that four jocks came up with. Uh, right. Like it's the, these things are like carefully written and rehearsed and worked and stuff like they have production values and things like that too so to dismiss it like i don't know it makes me crazy and so i feel like they very much deserve their own category i get it if there's not enough of a pool to choose from because there's not that many out there okay then just nominate three instead of five like they've done that before in other categories but you know don't don't put them in a field that they're just going to get completely shut out because of this long time stay things like oliver and colbert and whatever yeah which need to be reexamined. I mean, yeah, it's the it's it's a more acute problem that is you know that like uh, you can relate to the Golden Globes where they <laughs> they put comedy with musicals, and I'm so infuriated by that. I mean, the Golden Globes find ways to screw things up every year. The fact that like you know you hold the heard the whole Minari thing, right? Where they want to like consider it a foreign film mm-hmm. because it's primarily in Korean, but like right. it's not a foreign film it's about a family in america it's a very american immigrant story it's a fantastic movie so just because people have to you know read subtitles because most of it is not in english that makes it a foreign film it's foreign because it's where it was made if it came from czechoslovakia it's a foreign film but it's not it was made here and the fact that they wanted to classify it as that is just kind of infuriating Oh my God. That's actually, I think that's the inverse of what happened with Diving Bell and the Butterfly. Like Diving Bell and the Butterfly is technically a foreign movie because it was like made in France. It's all in French, starring like French actors and actresses. And uh, it got nominated out, I think for the Academy Awards outside of the foreign film category because it had American financing. And I mean, that happens sometime, you know, Parasite and like yeah. there are things there are films that are primarily in a foreign language or entirely in a foreign language that are made in a foreign thing that break through over here. And they're nominated alongside the other American productions. Yeah. Which makes you question when I don't like I I, I do want there to be room for inclusion and representation. But then like when you think about the category of best series or best picture, I mean, does it really stand for that if they're not like well these other things that aren't in english they get to be over here yeah i don't know i mean i think it's kind of dumb yeah but (laughs) i mean whatever i mean i I, i'm in favor as many categories that'll recognize different things that wouldn't get recognized otherwise right i'm totally good with that if by having a foreign film category you're going to be able to consider those movies that wouldn't make it anywhere else okay that's cool but uh yeah i mean all this classification is silly well, how would you how would you run an awards 
uh, show or a ceremony. Cool. Oh God. Uh, no drama, all comedy. All comedy, no <laughs> drama. It's hard to do any award show that's all encompassing of sure. you know, a genre of thing because they're all over the place. I mean, if you look at like Grammys with like there's spoken word Grammys, there's right. you know, there's Grammys for packaging. I found that they have the most categories out of any award show. It's over a hundred, and like the literal packaging for a box set, you can get a Grammy for that. And that's nuts. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. I mean, that's okay if you think you need to honor that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I've made some nice posters on Photoshop. Can I right. uh, put a band on them and uh, yeah, get a nomination there? Is going to yeah. happen. I, I have a couple long boxes from the early '90s. Can we uh, mm-hmm. draw Jethro Tull on there? And yeah. uh, it has nothing to do with sound or audio at all. So I don't know why it's, it's so weird. I mean, they get things so wrong. I mean, that is Jethro Tull's case in point of like, they won the first ever heavy metal Grammy. Yeah, right, right. Beat out Metallica. And I was, I was like, Jethro Tull, great mm-hmm. 70s rock band. Mm-hmm. Not, nothing metal about them whatsoever. It, yeah, if anything, you could uh, spot a questionable rock critic if they called Jethro Tull a heavy metal band. Yep. And that's what they won their Grammy for. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. You, you do you, Grammys. You do you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there have been attempts at comedy awards in the past, and you know, they see they don't seem to happen every year. It's like it'll pop up here, pop up there, and uh, largely it seems all over the place because you know people don't mind comedy like an art form, and I I don't know what to do in the large scale of things to change that they have a shift in consciousness but i try to do the best that i can which is highlighting great stuff there will never be that appreciation for it that it deserves but that said people always want to laugh and mm-hmm. so no matter what's going on in the world they're gonna find comedy they're gonna go to a comedy club if they can they're gonna you know watch specials and stuff like that too so for something that's not necessarily valued as much as it should be right i think I think even subconsciously, like it's very valued because it's it's the thing that helps them get some levity from everything going on in the world or their lives. Right. Absolutely. Um, I am not a particular fan of TikTok, but there are a lot of people that love it and love it because they watch the very much America America's Funniest Home Video Informed like TikTok videos, and they find it very funny. Yeah, I'm just I'm starting to become the old fuddy duddy. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just like another thing, another f- like thing to sign up for and learn how yeah. to do. I'm just like, uh, uh, and it's right. not even that different. Like it, you know, it's like there was Vine and uh, you know, Snapchat and like, okay, it's a minute. That's right. that's what's revolutionary about it. It's a minute. It's just feeding into the whole like no one has attention spans anymore. So let's make it like programmed for that like that's and been quibby failed so uh i mean that whole idea of like i mean i feel like people used to have better attention spans obviously because we didn't have little computers in our hands um to do things and but just people tune out so early now it just kind of it's kind of infuriating like if you look at any movie on imdb and go to the user reviews i guarantee you no matter what it is you're going to have a bunch of one to three star reviews that say boring this is boring and it's like because you had to sit there and actually watch it right. and like you can't be looking at your phone the whole time. You have to actually observe the things that are happening and it builds up or whatever. You're never going to see that. You're right. just going to write it off as boring like you have better things to do and you're going to move on from it, which is just infuriating. Yeah. That's actually one of the things I can't wait for when movie theaters open is we'll be able to go to movie theaters and watch movies. But when I watch movies with my roommate who is in the same apartment that I'm in currently uh, – she can't be on her phone anymore yeah because she i mean she went to film school like i did and watched movies like i do but she is always on her phone no matter what we're watching yeah it's crazy and like yeah. sometimes i'll have to i'll find ourselves doing that and i'll be like you know what, let's just turn these off or then i'm turn them off like let's let's put them away and then if we have to take a break to pee or something then we'll check them really quick and we'll come back but like right. you just miss stuff and you, yeah. you'll you'll never get into something 
I remember pe people thought it was sort of audacious for me. Like when I would go to a movie at a theater, I would turn my phone off, like all the way off and just, it would be off that whole time. And like, to me, if there was really an emergency, it's only two hours. Yeah. I can't be held like accountable because like I missed two hours out of the entirety of life. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I always lament the days of like, if you called somebody back in the old day and you left a message on their machine mm -hmm. and they called you back the next day, you'd be like, Oh my God, thanks for getting back to me so quick. Right now, if I call you or text you and 20 minutes go by and I haven't heard from you, it's like, are you in a ravine? <laughs> do you hate me right. um, it's, it's just the the pace of living has changed so drastically and it's amazing that you can get stuff done as fast as you can if you need to but at the same time things could be waited for it, yeah. it, it didn't have to happen immediately yeah yeah which I'm going to try to cleverly segue into talking about Sketchfest <laughs> While traveling, it's usually best to pack light. When it comes to money, carrying some cash and having an alternative like Zelle is a great idea. Zelle's an easy way to send and receive money with people you trust at any U.S. bank. It's already in thousands of different banking apps, and it's money straight into your bank account in minutes fast. Look for Zelle in your banking app today. Safe travels. You guys uh, had to... Uh you know, go virtual for this year, you're doing a thing called Festpocalypse. Um, what went into that decision in terms of like, well, you're gonna have to wait to do it in person. Um, and when was that decision made? I mean, early on during the pandemic, we obviously, we got lucky in a sense that we got a festival in last January. Right. You know, if it had been handled correctly at the top, at the right. time, it never would have happened. And we would have been really screwed because we would have been deep into deposits and all sorts of stuff that right. you know so that been really tough so we were lucky that we got to do one in january mm -hmm. but early on like we knew that like it was going to be a while but but no one really knew every every week there's new information and right. so what we kept saying is like well let's not worry about this right now let's table this but we'll keep talking about it as it goes and then when it became clear to us like midsummer that it wasn't going to happen we decided to officially announce that we we're pulling the plug on it like in september right um just because, you know, we knew that we would normally be planning it then. And we just knew it wasn't going to happen at that point. But during the summer, we were, we were wide open trying to figure out what we could do. Um, we at first put, like, out live from the archive videos of past shows that people could rent. That was an right. initial way for us to do stuff because we would normally do some summer programming here and there. Right. We knew we weren't going to do that. So in September when we realized that, okay, we're not going to do something in January, but we got to figure out something to do because we – you know, we need to stay afloat. We're a small business. Right. And if we can't operate, you know, for more than a full calendar year, like it's going to be tough for us to have any capital left to put a festival on next time. Right. So we talked about doing some sort of, you know, virtual festival. But at that time I pointed out like Zoom fatigue guys, like it's so hard to get people to do one thing. I don't want to try to ask people to kind of like, you know, a dozen different shows to right. mark the 20th anniversary of a festival or whatever. But we decided we needed to do something. So what we decided to do was just like one giant, huge variety show right. with uh, over 100 performers, wow. the biggest names in comedy, mm -hmm. all coming together basically to help us raise some money to stay afloat and for us to be able to mark the 20th anniversary of the festival and do something in January and then do the actual 20th festival next year in January, hopefully. Right. That's the hope. Um, so, we yeah, we put this thing together, and it's going to be amazing. We've been – putting all the footage and stuff together that we've been getting and taping and stuff. And uh, there's some really special stuff in here that on their own as clips, it goes super viral. Like there's right. some amazing stuff. So we decided to do that. We started asking people that were all alumni because everybody's alumni on this, except for like one person or right. two people. There's a couple right. surprise guests, but everybody else has done the festival before or many times before. And we were overwhelmed by, almost everyone saying yes and wanting to contribute something. And then it was just trying to figure out what and how and all that. So yeah. we're currently finishing up, uh, but it's going to be, you know, th three and a half hours ish. Um, no more than that, but. Oh, great. Um, That's actually less than I thought it would be. <laughs> well, we thought about like, 
it trying to be the kind of thing that it would be a good show, but we didn't want it to be like an all day thing. Cause it, in the early days there'd be like these big comedy benefit shows that ran like seven hours right? and they were really unfocused and they were just like hard to really watch for long. And we're like, well, let's right. just do a show that's really tightly done right. um, with everybody doing a few minutes of stuff here and there mm-hmm. um, and different kinds of stuff. And it just came out like it's coming out amazing. And it's, it's definitely worth even if you're not, a, you know, don't know who Sketchfest is. We're excited that people all over the world are buying tickets to this. Like this is That's our awesome. way, our first way of like giving people a taste of what we would normally do, right. but not in the Bay Area. What? So what's uh, what are some of the most remote places that people are buying tickets from? Uh, well, Auntie Donna is on the show, so when they publicize it, a bunch of Australians bought tickets. Um, uh, I don't really know that exactly where they're coming from. I just know that they're, they're all over the world. I mean, it just oh, cool. like we have, you know, some UK acts, we have Eddie Izzard and right. Noel Fielding and people like that too. And um, is Eddie going to be on a treadmill? <laughs> That's talked about. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. For those who don't know currently Eddie, who is, how old is she? I don't know exactly how old she is, but she's gotta be in her fifties. She's in her 50s, and she is currently running a marathon on a treadmill every day um, while doing a interview slash podcast thing. Yeah, she'll run these marathons, and then afterwards she'll do, like, full shows. Like, yeah. she'll then do a live stream of a comedy show. Yeah, just it's in case crazy. you feel like you were already not doing enough <laughs> in <Right>. quarantine. <laughs> oh, my God. She uh, – she puts so many comedians to shame and like even i she had already ran ran a bunch of marathons but his ran for public office is like manage of like a, a epl team i think or something like that and uh has done stand-up in four languages i believe yeah she's amazing i mean that's talked about too like the piece that we have with eddie I and mean, we're not trying to give anything away but like it's it's him with greg proops doing some stuff and they talk about you know touring comedy and you know the u.s versus britain and other places in the world and um how english he says english is the most travelable comedy language so a lot of artists in different countries are trying to learn english so they can tour the world wow uh for those who haven't gotten a chance to peruse the fest apocalypse uh lineup who are the uh big name alumni that are coming around well there's a lot of them um let's see we have the kids in the hall Mm -hmm. uh the state all 11 of them are doing something. Uh, David Cross and Bob Odenkirk. There you go. Uh, the Tenderloins, who came to the festival in, like, year three. Like, wow. So I've known those guys for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Black Version are doing a bunch mm-hmm. of improvised movie things. Upper Citizens Brigade, uh, Rift Tracks, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog um, with Weird Al. That's going to be wow. amazing. Uh, and then just, like, it's a who's who of comedy people and, and acting legends. Alan Arkin and Fred Armisen, wow. Ray wow. Bamford. Mm-hmm. Um it goes on and on. Margaret Cho, uh, Chris Gethard, Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon, Christopher Guest and Jane Lynch, John Hamm. Um, basically, anybody, most people that are funny and have done comedy are on this show in some capacity. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's a pretty I, insane I can, lineup. It is. I concur. I, I mean, that, that it speaks to uh, SF Sketchfest's reputation. That you, oh, you guys always have. A, a massive lineup, and then B, it's a lineup uh, of just stellar, stellar comedy people from the worlds of stand-up sketch, improv, um, TV, movies, podcasting, what have you. Um, so I'm really glad that you guys are putting something together. Um, and, and it won't be a bunch of different Zoom shows that I have to pop in and out of. There you go. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing about this is we try to embrace the eclectic nature of the festival because normally we would do like almost 300 shows over three weeks um every kind of genre of comedy and movie and tv film reunions and uh, musical comedy whatever else so we try to embrace that spirit so there's all all kinds of different stuff on this show there's improv there's sketch there's conversations there's um game shows there's music there's all sorts of things if you can think about it it's, it's there and it's there's some pretty amazing stuff so i hope people come and check it out now how do you decide to divvy up the time between everybody (laughs) <laughs> well that was the tough part of it is like obviously like with 100 performers it's not like somebody's going to do 30 minutes it's like <laughs> uh, you know 10 minutes for 5 to 10 minutes of each thing or whatever but 
um, we just kind of talk with them about ideas or whatever and seeing what they want to do. And sometimes they produce stuff and gave it to us. Sometimes we, you know, recorded with them on zoom. Sometimes they sent us raw footage and we edited it. Um, so it's all sorts of things, but, uh, yeah, we just kind of figured out what made sense and right. it, sketch groups are easier cause we would just produce a sketch with them, um, or whatever. So, right. How would, how does this compare in terms of workload or, I mean, even stress. I mean, well, the pandemic adds stress, so maybe that is something to be taken into account. But like, versus like the normal, like three weeks that you guys do. Well, normally when we're planning for a festival, from like September until the end of January, it's insane. Like it's just busy, busy days because um, we got to plan it and then publicize it and sell it and then run it. Um, this was a little less time consuming, except it has been the last you know month or so crazy, crazy because we have to edit everything, and it's just myself and Jay Wurzler, who is our festival managing director. Um, the two of us are editing everything together outside of the ones that were provided for us. So <laughs> wow, really? It's yeah, it's been wow. nuts. Um, so thankfully we're done with the initial edit of everything. Now it's just going back and like looking at the rough cut of the show and seeing where we can trim things here and there, but. Um, so just that alone, and then I'm doing all the socials, so too, making all the graphics. So it's just like, it just seems I'm constantly on my computer either editing or doing stuff in Photoshop, <laughs> which is not something, I mean, I taught myself how to use those several years ago. It's kind of right. a skill I just picked up. Right. Um, it's not something I do professionally, though I have gotten a little bit of extra money freelancing on an occasional gig with it. But um, yeah, it's a lot. It's time consuming. And we're very excited for this to get out there. and. Right. You know, it's a live stream, so of course we're always like a little scared that something could go wrong. But um, people will have access to a replay for 48 hours right afterwards, so mm -hmm. we always have that as a backup if anything goes wrong. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be for 20 bucks. It's the best, you know, <laughs> bargain for comedy. I think. I'm oh yeah, that. for 20 20 bucks. I mean, there are Zoom shows that cost more than that, and uh, yeah, 20 bucks for all of what you just heard is pretty great. Yeah, it's insane. And there's, there's more expensive tickets that include like an after party through right. GatherDown, which is like an 8-bit digital universe thing. It's going to be pretty crazy. Oh, fun. Um, and then obviously other levels that have merchandise and perks and stuff, to, you know, to help support us. But but right. 20 bucks will get you in the door to watch the show, and um, I guarantee you it'll be really fun. Yeah. Are you doing anything in it, Cole? I'm doing a few things in there. Um, there's, there's a bit with the tenderloins that I kind of am in, I'm, I'm on screen with them. And then there's a riff tracks thing that Janet and I are both in riffing. And then my theme park group has a sketch in there that I'm in as well. So I'm in three things. Hey, that's um, great. Yeah. But not predominantly featured in any of them. I'm just right. kind of, they're facilitating. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a hell of a show. People yeah. can just go to sfsketchfest.com. That's where all the tickets are and all the information. Right. Or if they check out our socials, we're always posting everything on there too, on yeah. Instagram or Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, and I'll be sure to include uh, links to the SF Sketch site and tickets uh, in the show notes uh, for this episode. Um, are you planning, like, so that that is, uh, you know, coming up this weekend, what... I mean, not to stress you out, but like <laughs> what is to come, you know, for the next calendar year leading up to hopefully an actual in-person sketch fest? Well, that kind of remains to be seen. I mean, we did before we did this show, we did one live stream of Plan 9 from Outer Space back right. in October um, just kind of try something out because we didn't want to just do kind of the same thing. So what we did is it's like a reading, but people had costumes. We had spe live miniature special effects and Eben scored it and like um so trying to do like interesting live streams like that that are a little more like put together than just like here are these people doing whatever um so we'll probably do a handful of special events throughout the year nothing to the scope of what we're doing right now this is our big fundraiser but um we probably will do a handful of live shows online periodically but not so often that you're like i don't care about this anymore right um, so it'll be those and then i don't know it just kind of depends on when we're able to get back out there and do things and right. if the festival can happen next january which looks like it can but it's just yeah. hard to say we'll be but really busy right. planning that come fall so it's just a matter of bridging the gap after this until then mm -hmm. yeah i mean the, that is the name of the game is uh surviving until that i mean i've kind of realized a while ago that uh I mean, pretty much all live comedy at this time is 
you know, whatever people are doing right now isn't something that is long-term sustainable. Yeah. And uh, for the people that have figured out whatever they've figured out, like you're going to have to figure out something entirely different when everything comes back. So, yep. I mean, things will never be the same, at least not for a long time. So it'll just be a different post COVID world, but I think people will still be very hungry to go out and go to shows and, be in rooms with people connecting to the comedy happening there, but it's just a matter of how and when. Yeah, I agree. I think people are actually, when things like really reopen in earnest and people, there's a good amount of people who aren't scared to go out and see stuff. Uh, people are going to overdo it. Oh yeah. It's going to be like actual new year's Eve. Oh, fully. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of being able to go see our friends and go get a drink someplace and hang out is enough to begin with. And then, the idea of going to a show and like, you know, having that energy in that room and being social. I think people are not going to take being social for granted again. Like yeah. at least not for a long time. Right. Cause it th- didn't those take are things a... you forget when all this happened. Yeah. It didn't take a pandemic for me to realize that I've always appreciated, but it is kind of sad that it's for a lot of people. That's yeah. one of the main realizations they had from this time. Um, so separate from Sketchfest, and what do you see for yourself uh over the next year uh, in, in terms of perform or anything else um hard to say like i still podcast from time to time i might set up a new one myself mm-hmm. um i do sub host alchemy this a lot for kevin when he's shooting and stuff right um and I've been a recurring guest on Movie Crush and things a lot this right. year right. and last. So I'll probably do more of that and maybe start up my own thing because I have an idea or two. I just got to kind of decide which one I want to do. I haven't had my own podcast since Pop My Culture ended four years ago. So yeah. um, we had a seven-year run, and now it just feels like it's time to kind of get back out there. Sure. Um, and then I you know, I act from time to time still, and now that I can just audition from my house, it makes it a lot easier to uh, – get on tape and do things and I don't have to be like, Oh, I got to drive to the Valley at four. Like none of that has to happen right now. It's just pretty right. magical. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I'll get some more gigs out a few last year and stuff and those help supplement. Cool, man. Um, it sounds like you've like, I mean, <laughs> things are largely still like very terrible in an unprecedented way, but I feel like you have a pretty good roadmap for it. Yeah. We like to think so. We just have to be, you know, we're, we're very much knowing that occasionally we'll be like, oh, road closed, detour. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to happen. And we just yeah. know to roll with that and just right. adjust. Right. That's great to hear, man. Um, that's pretty much the episode right there. Um, cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, there's FS, uh, SF Sketch Fest, Fest Apocalypse that's coming up this weekend. Is there anything else you'd like to mention? Uh, where can people find you online, Cole? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, um, either at, at Cole Stratton or at Stratton Cole, depending on the one. I believe I'm at Cole Stratton on Twitter, at Stratton Cole on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me there for everything. And I have a website, colestratton.com, that occasionally gets updated. Um, there's not much to put on there. Like, no gigs. Nothing's happening. <laughs> Nothing um, is happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I can tell you, that's a lot better than having to constantly go in there and be like, okay, what, what three shows do I have this week? Okay, put those on. Um, so, yeah, I would just go to Instagram and Twitter. And, uh, you know, Instagram I'm probably more active on nowadays. Right. Um, so you can find me there. And then, obviously, sfsketchfest.com is where you can find out everything about the festival and the show. And just one more time for everybody, when's Festpocalypse? It is this Saturday, January 30th at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, whatever o'clock p.m., depending on where you're watching it in the world. Yeah. Awesome. And tickets are only 20 bucks. It's it's honestly such a steal. I'm not getting paid by Cole to say that. <laughs> um, I just am a great fan of comedy, and what they're putting forth is, like, uh, unbelievable, honestly. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If people don't think that this is enough show for 20 bucks, then I just don't know what to say. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> that person is probably five years old is what I would guess. <laughs> yep. Probably. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jake Kroger. I create the comedy bureau. You can find the comedy bureau at the comedy bureau.com at the comedy bureau across platforms. You can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket and Twitter at MFJ Kroger. Shout out to MF doom RIP um 
there are a lot of great causes to support at this time and i urge you to support those but if you have money and generosity after that please support the comedy bureau because it's just me running everything around here not unlike uh what you heard cole doing uh where he's running everything for an entire festival uh with one other person uh which is insane well there's uh, four of us i would be remiss to say J- Dave, david owen and janet varney are the other co-founders but it's basically the four of us with you know three of us with jay that right. have been doing everything so it's right. it's nuts are you gonna be running like uh well wait is there a virtual version of the ones and twos what do we call them now uh <laughs> now that we're doing it all on zoom yeah i don't even know are you are but are you running tech on the day of uh i'm not but okay. we'll all be standing by a jay as i believe but we're all standing by to troubleshoot and do whatever else wow i'll monitor socials and things so yeah Ooh, i am glad i'm not doing that yeah. uh, but you know uh bless you uh for for doing all of that man and uh, providing Thanks, man. a great thing to look forward to this weekend and again i'd urge everybody to go buy a ticket uh not only to enjoy a great show but support a great festival so they can indeed uh, stay alive and have uh, a great actual 20th anniversary in person um as i like to say at the end of every episode comedy is still happening uh would you like to say anything as we sign off here cole no just support comedy man it's important it is important uh <laughs> yeah let's send that uh open letter to uh biden and uh Kamala harris uh <laughs> <laughs> as the great brody stevens would say enjoy it Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Guineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.